You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. Everything God did in creation was for the purpose of teaching us spiritual truths with earthly examples. It is no mistake that God created a family in a very literal sense and instructed them to bear fruit, to grow, and to increase, to then find later that he's going to use the same principle to teach us what the family of God's supposed to do from a spiritual perspective. Today, Pastor Gary shows us that discipleship was God's plan from the very beginning. The process of discipleship is very similar to the way a family functions. In the same way that Adam and Eve were instructed to reproduce, as followers of Christ, we are also called to produce new disciples who are reborn into the family of God. This discipleship can take place within an earthly family or among the spiritual family of the church. Whether or not we have children of our own, we can be spiritual parents to others. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Genesis chapter 1 as he begins his message, Discipleship, a Family Matter. I've often said that there's been many, many trials that I've been through that I would never have picked out for myself. But on the flip side, I would have never taken anything for what I gained for anything in the world. Through the fiery furnace of adversity, we learned that God molds and shapes character, burns out all the impurities that are inconsistent with his divine will for our lives. And in so doing, Daddy knows best. Amen. He really does. When we don't understand when we're spinning on the wheel and everything seems confusing and it's a blur. And then when he puts us in the furnace to temper us, he's not going to leave us in there forever. I believe that God wants to make each and every one of his children vessels of honor that are fit for the master's use. There is a purpose behind your pain, though you may not see it today, but trust his heart when you cannot see his hand. Amen. I've been preaching on order. This will be our third installment on the series called Order. Last week we talked about household order. We're going to continue that theme out of Genesis chapter 1. And I need you to know that God's purpose for the family is to make disciples. And I'm going to prove that biblically for you. That's why we're going to continue this thought. In fact, my subheading would be discipleship, a family matter. A family matter. Everybody loves family photos because they capture moments in time that are priceless to us. And we can look back on those and revisit memories 
of days gone by with friends and family that we love so dear, and some of them are already gone on to be with the Lord. Amen? But there's something about the old family photo album. I'm just curious, does anybody even have an old photo album anymore that you actually take off a shelf and flip through? This younger generation, they got it all stored in an iPad or an iPhone or something, and they couldn't find all their pictures if they wanted to because it was on the old phone, and now they bought the new phone, and they didn't get the transfer, and it's a mess. I, I think we need to go back to old photo albums, don't you? <laughs> Amen. Now, I, I'm not against digital technology. I use it as much as anybody, but there's something special about family photos, and I think it's because it represents that which is nearest and dearest to your heart. Amen. And, and God started a family, and he included those of us who are born again through faith in Jesus Christ. And if God were to pull out the photo albums in heaven one day, would he find you in the family picture? We, we illustrated earlier what, it, what we do. We gather around, we take pictures of our f- precious moments, and we hope to cherish those for the rest of our lives. But will God find you in his family photo album in heaven? Are you a part of the family of God, or are you missing in action? Are you around when family affairs are conducted in the church and in the family of God, or... Are you one of those that never show up for any of the family reunions? Just some points to ponder. As we look into the Word of God, we want to go back to Genesis chapter 1. And I want to open with a verse that we closed on last week, verse 28, where God blessed them, them being Adam and Eve. And God said unto them, this is after He created them, of course, He said, Be fruitful. And multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. That means to conquer or rule over it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. When it says to be fruitful, this means to bear fruit. It means to grow and it means to increase. Everything that God did in his creation, you remember I told you this, everything God did in creation was for the purpose of teaching us spiritual truths with earthly examples. It is no mistake that God created a family in a very literal sense and instructed them to bear fruit, to grow, and to increase to then find later that he's going to use the same principle to teach us what the family of God's supposed to do from a spiritual perspective. There are examples, there are illustrations that we can learn from. Amen? And one of the principles that we see here, it was not until God told them to be fruitful that he then told them to subdue it. God never meant for the whole earth to belong to just Adam and Eve. He obviously wanted them to be reproductive. And though reproduction is a part of being fruitful, it's only one slice of the pie. It wasn't just to populate the earth. It was also to grow and to increase and to replenish and also to subdue or to conquer or to rule over the earth, to rule over the weak and beggarly elements of this sin-cursed planet. Amen. 
And, and God is teaching us a principle that when he wants to bless, his blessings are so big that they cannot be contained in your life alone. So he needs children to bless. He needs uh, those coming after you that he can pour blessings into. This is the heart of a father. I mean, where is God going to store all that he can give unless he has a recipient who's whose generations beyond continue to grow and increase to receive all that God has for mankind. It's a concept, it's a principle that I want you to get a hold of. Y'all don't mind if I teach a little bit, do you? I'm in a teaching gear. This is a principle. And, and, and I told my wife just the other day, one of the, some of the greatest blessings that God bestows upon the Caudill family, he bestows upon the heads of my children. And I told my wife, I said, I can be hurting, but if my children are doing well, I can be happy. Amen? I can be happy. And that's the idea that God wants not just to bless you, but he wants to bless your children and your grandchildren. And if you don't have children or grandchildren, he indeed wants to bless you, but you can also participate in the family of God and become a father figure to others that you lead to Christ in the family of God. And you can be a father figure to those that need to be pointed to Jesus Christ. I think about my family, and I, I don't think my uncles would mind me saying this, but my dad and my uncles, they lost their earthly father when they were just children. And of course, it goes without saying that bears with it some heavy weights upon a family that make it difficult for them to survive and of course, it made them tough, and, and they're doing well for themselves. And they don't pity themselves because they didn't have an earthly father, but they do recognize that maybe if daddy was around, things would have been easier for mom, and things would have been easier for the kids. And, and they wouldn't wish that burden of fatherless childhood on anyone. But if I were to give them time to speak for themselves, no doubt they would say that the heavenly father has made all the difference in the world for them. And the Bible says that when your father and your mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. And so we're talking about divine order. We, we talked about how that God, the creator, is the one who sets things in order. And he's the one that we go to for an example of what should be and what is or what can be. And the good news is whether you have an earthly father as a positive example or not, that is no excuse for those who are willing to join the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That you can be fathered. And it's more than just someone who pays the light bill. Amen. He wants to be a friend to you. He wants to be a companion to you. He wants to lead and guide you into all truth through his Holy Spirit. And he wants to be your coach and your mentor and your example. And he wants to be a loving father that has compassion on you and, and helps you and aids you through the process of this thing that we call life. Amen. And so God models for us what it looks like to be a good father. And I'm headed somewhere. If we were to go to Colossians chapter 3, don't take the time to turn, just listen quick. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20 gives us a little glimpse of a relationship between a father and a child. It first says to the child, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And then it says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, 
lest they be discouraged. And so some of us only have an example of a mean-spirited father. I say some generically speaking. I don't know your story. But the heavenly father is is not of a mean demeanor to his children. He does not stimulate or provoke you to anger to discourage you. But he would coach you and encourage you. And now he, he will reprove you, but it'll be to the end that you'd be better for it. God does not discipline just to prove a point. He disciplines because he loves you. If you're with me, say amen. And, and you need to know that he looks at you as a child if you're his. And, and just as he would give us instructions as earthly fathers and as earthly children to deal one with another... This is the kind of relationship that we should have with our Heavenly Father. That as children, we should obey our Lord in all things because it's well-pleasing to Him. And our Father is not here to provoke us to anger, to discourage us. If, if there is a discouraging spirit that comes into you through religion that causes you to walk away from your spiritual father's household, that is not a spirit coming from your father. Not everybody that claims to love Jesus even knows Jesus. And there's a big difference between having a membership with a religious association Versus a relationship with God, your heavenly father. Many today are not even in church because of church hurt. Some religious organization with mean-spirited men who misrepresented the heart and mind of God damaged someone emotionally to the extent that they will never cross the threshold of another church door because they have the disillusionment that church equals God and they are not the same. My prayer for you and I as members of this assembly is that we would never misrepresent the heart of a heavenly father who means you nothing but goodwill. You say, preacher, how do you know that God means nothing but goodwill? Well, what did the introductory to Jesus say when the angels introduced Jesus when he came into Bethlehem as a babe? They said, peace, goodwill, Toward men. Amen. Jesus Christ came to bring good news. That fallen man and all of his sin can in fact be forgiven and restored back to family fellowship with God, his creator, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That we can enter into the holy of holies, the purest spot that God exists. Amen. Uh, that we can enter there boldly because having received forgiveness of sin and being washed in the blood, we are now made presentable to our Father. And God would have it no other way. He wants you to come one, come all to the foot of the cross where you can find mercy and grace and forgiveness and strength and help and healing and anything that you might need as a human being on this planet. Somebody say amen discipleship is a family matter and it starts with the father in fact i dare say fatherhood equals discipleship now follow me if we have failed at discipleship i believe it is because we have failed at fatherhood because we have turned church into religious machinery rather than a relationship with a loving father can i get an amen and if we are to ever expect the next generation to fall in love 
head over heels with Jesus and carry the torch of the gospel to the, to the generations ahead of us and beyond us, then we are going to have to get them hooked up with the heart of the Father and not with religious machinery made by men which crush people beneath their feet. Can I get another amen? Amen. Discipleship begins with a father's heart, a fatherly love. And quickly, I need to point out three things, and I may have to skip a lot of passages. I'll try to hit the high points. But number one, I want you to see what God the Father does. If you just listen, I'm going to read three verses out of the book of James, chapter 1, and verses 16 through 18. He said to us, do not err, my beloved brethren. Okay, you got that? Don't do wrong. Simple. Let's carry on. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He is so full of light that no matter which way he turns, he does not even cast a shadow because he is the light. He's the father of lights. And what did it say? Any, any good and perfect gift comes from him. If there's anything in your life that you would call good or perfect, and it in fact is good or perfect, then it has come from the father. Don't let the devil lie to you and try to tell you that Heathen folk have been better to you than God has. They may treat you better than some church folk that don't know the heart of God, but they can't beat the heart of a loving father. Amen. I, I get the dynamic. I understand. I, I have been a victim of religious machinery myself. I've been mistreated in so many ways that I, I could depress you in, in three minutes flat. But I'm not going to do that. Because I've learned the difference between men and the Father. And I've learned that most men, because of their ill will and misguided notions, misrepresent the heart of our Heavenly Father. And you need to know that every good and perfect gift is from Him. And then it says this, Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. There's that word firstfruits. What did he tell Adam and Eve to do? Be fruitful and multiply. Now he has created a people through the shed blood of Christ who, are, who he is calling first fruits. These people are also to be productive in the family of God. These people are also to multiply and replenish the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. But there's a deeper meaning with this word first fruits. The first fruit is the fruit or produce first matured and collected in any season. And listen, of these, the Jews made an oblation or an offering to God as an acknowledgement of his sovereign dominion. So if we are his first fruits, we are also owned by him. We are his offering. We are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Simply put, God created you for himself, not for you or anybody else. Amen. We are and were created, the Bible says, for him, for his glory, for his goodness, right? For his pleasure. Understand this, God enjoys fellowship with his creation. 
But he had to fix it because fellowship was broken. Now follow me. We see what the Father does in this text is that he is making disciples of us so that we as his first fruit can bear fruit for him and on his behalf and continue the generations of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth with the hope of the gospel. All right? So we see what God the Father does. But now let's look at John chapter 14. And I want to show you what God the Son does. We know what the Father's doing. He has started the family of God. We sing the song sometimes, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen. I remember on September the 9th of 1990 when I was born again. Amen. I was washed in the blood of Jesus. As an 11-year-old boy, I gave my heart and life to Christ that day, and I was spiritually born into the family of God. And so ever since, uh, though I've not been perfect, I have sought to serve my Father and to please my Father. Though many times I have failed, I have never been kicked out of the family. And I've always been nursed back to health when I've done wrong or disciplined back to health. Amen, church. So we know that the Father is making disciples of us. What is Jesus doing? We begin reading John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto who? The Father, but by me. So where's the destination that we are headed to? The Father. But Jesus is the door. God the Father offered up God the Son as a sacrifice so that he could have many sons of God through faith in his name and that through Christ a doorway would be made back to where the Father's house is. If you read John chapter 14 and study it very carefully, when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. If you study it very carefully, you will discover that it's more than heaven and it's better than heaven. It's not talking about when we get to heaven. It's talking about enjoying the presence of the Father that we could not enjoy before we were washed in the blood of Christ. And guess what? You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy the presence of your Father. You can enter into that relationship with him today. And God the Son, let's see what he's doing now. We're establishing truth here. Skip to verse 10 of John 14. He said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? He said, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the who? The Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Jesus said in verse 7, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. What Jesus is essentially saying is uh, you don't need to uh, make too much of a distinction between the heart of God the Father and the heart of God the Son. Actually, you don't need to make any distinction because they're both the same. Jesus simply came to this earth and Jesus is our hero. Jesus is the one that died on the cross for us. Oh, and we love Jesus. But Jesus saying, if you've seen me, if you've known me, you've seen the Father, you've known the Father, I'm just doing what he sent me to do. I'm just saying what he sent me to say. And you need not fear the Father that caused the mountain to tremble at Mount Ararat, I think it was, or whichever mountain it was that the Ten Commandments were given. And if you remember, 
of the people were afraid to even approach the mountain where Moses went and met with God because smoke was ascending up and it was an earthquake. And when God spoke, it was like thunder. And they feared the presence of the Father. Many today who are of a religious spirit but don't understand the heart of the Father and the doorway to the Father through Jesus still fear the Heavenly Father but love Jesus. But they're both the same heart. Today's teaching is coming to an end, but you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Here at True North, we encourage all of our listeners to dive into Scripture regularly on your own. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to guide your reading and reveal God's truth to you. Thanks for joining Pastor Gary Cottle today for True North. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new edition. If you'd like to learn more about True North or Pastor Gary, visit GaryCoddle.com. Would you like to plan a visit to worship and study the Bible with Pastor Gary? You can find all the information you need about where he pastors and how you can visit at GaryCoddle.com. If you're not in the area, we do encourage you to find and begin attending a Bible-teaching church near you. Find a family of faith that you can invest in and who will encourage you in your own walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or would like to find out how you can support Gary Cottle Ministries and True North, please reach out to Pastor Gary. He can be reached at contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on True North.